0: (laughs) (laughs) hello emerging writers welcome we're so glad that you could join us today as we sip tea and discover our inner storytellers my name is stephanie and i'm joined by my best friend kayla and my sister jordan hello hi every week we'll be inviting you to join us as we cuddle up on our blanket fort, drink tea and discuss the intricacies of writing and how we can become the writers we dream to be today's topic for discussion developing that character characters lead the story they can make or break it You need good characters or your story won't take off. They need to be compelling and there needs to be something that your reader can relate to. So what makes a compelling character?
1: I find characters that are relatable to be really easy to write and easy for the readers to dive into. And I feel like with a main character, having a relatable character is a really good place to start with a new story or if you're trying to write write a novel and you haven't before uh you can definitely have main characters that are unlikable or unrelatable but that's a lot that's like setting the difficulty writing for the difficulty setting for your writing a lot higher than it needs to be if you're just getting started Mm -hmm. um I find characters that are easy to relate to if they're very human and you can feel their emotion and understand their emotion and I write in a style where there's a lot of the internal thoughts happening and uh, seeing that thought process and relating to it and relating to the emotion the main character is feeling is an easy stepping stone into believing the story and believing that that world is real.
2: Yeah, I can agree with that. One of the things I've tried to do working on my own characters is to give them, especially like a backstory. I think that's something that helps make them compelling because it adds so much dimension and you can see their beginning and understand why they make the choices that they do. I think that's a good way to make a character
0: relatable. Yeah, you don't want characters that are two dimensional and adding that backstory can help add some of that three dimensionality. I feel like especially new authors, first-time drafts, those sorts of things, a lot of what happens is two-dimensional characters. The character building really suffers through that first story when you're discovering the the plot and the story itself.
1: I agree. I think feeling like there were stories happening before the story you're currently reading is a really beautiful thing, and it makes the characters feel really real. Really real. (laughs) Can you tell that it's very hot in my apartment right now? <laughs> and my brain is just a little bit melted. <laughs> um, what I was saying is that having a story where it feels like there was a lot happening before it can be nice. And I think that can come with later drafts a little bit. But you have to have the bones of it there to work with. Mm-hmm. I really feel like my characters exist and come to life fully as I edit it. and. And yet that's so hard to do if I don't have the bones of it laid out before me. And so with first drafts, I do a lot of building where I want the characters to be, and then I smooth it over later, and I add little snippets from the past, and backstory is a great way to fill that
0: in. Yeah, I feel like I've mentioned before that I kind of discover my characters as I write. Um, There's a lot of questionnaires that you can find online of like, what's your character's favorite color? Uh, what's, what can they find in their fridge or whatever? And I just think they're really, like, superfluous and not helpful in figuring out what my, who my character actually is. Like, I need to spend time with them. It's like getting to know a real person, you know? You have to hang out with them in order to really get to know them. I personally don't get to know people very well by asking them questions about themselves because it just feels very stilted and forced. I have to, like, be doing a task with them. And spending organic time with them to really get to know someone. And it's the same with characters. I have to be going through the story with them and seeing how they're reacting to things to figure out who they are.
1: I agree. Absolutely. I do think those questionnaires and filling those notes in can be nice once you already know it. If you've been writing it long enough, you have a sense of a character. Sometimes I like to jot down some of the notes of like, yes, they like coffee and this is what they eat and this is like how they tend to dress. Just so that as I'm editing, I can have that consistency. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I I don't like the questionnaires or the notes on characters or the fill in the blank when I'm starting a story. I like it to develop organically and slowly. And then once I know, it's nice to have those notes.
2: Yeah, one of the things I tried doing that when I was making my character, but it didn't really lend much to me, I guess. So pretty much what I did with her was what you said, like, imagine those things that happened in the past. And I wrote some of them down in the barest of details, just wrote down what happened and why. And something about doing that made me um, helped me to stay in character in the future, because I really understood how she would react to certain situations and I think if you're going to be writing a character, you don't want to do things that are, that are out of character. Um, if you've ever been jolted out of a story or a movie by a character doing something that seems out of left field, then I think you know what I mean. So I try to make sure that all my characters' behaviors have a reasonable explanation for it. And a lot of that comes from backstory and figuring out their past.
0: Just kind of as an aside, isn't it really interesting... With writing and and developing characters, how you have to give a reason for everything that they decide to do, where in real life, people will sometimes act uncharacteristically, and that's pretty normal. But if it's in a, a like a fictional work, if a character suddenly acting strange, you need to have like foreshadowed to the audience that that was going to happen, otherwise it like throws everything off,
1: yeah. I think no matter how complexly you write, stories are still going to be a more simplified version of humans. And so things being out of character because someone's stressed out and had a bad day is believable in real life but people acting dramatically out of character in a story without there to be really meaty reasons for it is so hard to process and take in. Mm-hmm.
2: I think backstory also helps you narrow down your character motivation. That's mm-hmm. something that's you really have to focus on in your stories is making sure you know why they're doing what they're doing, and that will help drive the plot of your story and your character arc.
0: Yeah, everyone has like a, a history, and that's what them into the person that they are. So giving characters those backstories helps you understand why they act the way they do and it helps you write them more consistently.
1: I agree. I think in general, a lot of stories, particularly rough drafts or new author stories that aren't published yet, the characters are solely in the present. But in reality, people have backstories and rich pasts And they also have futures they're looking towards. They have wants and desires and goals and motivations. And it's finding a way to weave in the future your character wants and the past they have that make them feel like a real person. And like they're really living and breathing outside of the page.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think part of making them more compelling is giving them motivations and uh, like goals that they have. Because if your character doesn't really have any, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Desires, aspirations. Yeah, <laughs> desires. Works like they just they don't have anything pushing them forward. Then well, what's going to happen in your story? It's it's not interesting when the plot is forcing everything to move forward. It's more interesting when the character is moving things forward. We want them to be proactive and making decisions. So if you give them motivations and goals, then they can start doing that.
1: I also think that the emotion behind the goals and motivations is so important for relatability Mm -hmm. because, you know, if a character has been wronged and they're hurt by that and they want to hurt someone else in retaliation, that can be a relatable feeling that your reader can grab onto, even if the retaliation they want to do is like murder. (laughs) Like (laughs) most people don't actually want to set out and kill someone but books about like assassins and cops and and fighters and swordsmen and knights, like those are really popular because that feeling of retaliation and justice or vengeance, like those emotions can be felt and related to. But then sh- then it's just a much more dramatic plot than you would ever live in real life. Yeah. And so it's finding the emotions and conveying those emotions behind the motivation that I feel like matters a whole lot more than just having a. Desire.
2: Yeah, I think there's a big difference between like a plot driven story and a character driven story. And I think if you're writing, you really need to have both a plot and a character arc, because um, that helps it not just be a series of random events happening to a person. Yeah, there are a lot of variations on how to write a character arc. But the one I've used several times can be summed up like this. To achieve the goal you set for your character, they must have some sort of moral or mental requirement or else something bad will happen. Now, that doesn't mean it has to be a huge world ending consequence or some huge epic thing. It can be small, but it's your job to figure out the stakes that would be most motivating to your particular character. Uh, Sometimes smaller and more personal is better, but you have to get to know your character to find out what that would be.
1: I personally find that smaller uh, goals can be a lot more interesting to read. Uh, I like really big sweeping epic journeys, but having that small tiny goal and want can be really uh, relatable and humanizing.
0: Yeah, I think giving them smaller goals that like either coincide with or somehow um are brought into the bigger story is really beneficial because it again makes them feel more rounded giving them emotions makes them feel more rounded i think those like smaller goals should be part of what causes the conflict as well like whatever big thing is going on in the story is partly why they can't accomplish their goal. And that's what creates some of that conflict in the story and motivates them to move forward and actually vanquish whatever evil it is or whatever, you know?
2: Yeah. And if you figure out the little pieces that need to push against them and what drives them, you can easier figure out what your antagonists are going to be doing that would force them to make a change or take an action.
0: Mm -hmm. But it's just important to make sure that your character is proactive. Yes. And moving forward and they're moving things forward. They have passions and goals and motives and there's something holding them back from that and so they're moving forward to work past that.
2: Yeah, cuz you know, your characters need to be making a change. Otherwise it would be kind of boring to read.
0: Mhm. I also
1: think it's important to say that your antagonist needs to have motivation and goals and passions as well. A lot a lot of the time I read good stories that have an interesting plot and well-developed main characters where the antagonist is very like two-dimensional paper-cut thin bad guy. That has its time and place of course but I really find it refreshing when antagonists have complex desires and passions and goals too.
2: Some of my favorite characters have been bad guys like marvels loki it's very Mm -hmm. interesting well written you really got to explore the background and understand his motivations and that was i think very compelling for a lot of people because they didn't just say oh he just wants to mess everything up because he's the god of mischief he had like actual reasons that i think a lot of people can relate to you know being displaced and feeling like you're not part of your family
0: yeah i definitely know a lot of People who were adopted that feel like they need to take over the world so that their adoptive father will love them. Oh, such sarcasm stuff. I think it's really relatable for most most people. You know, they
2: probably turn blue too.
0: Yeah, everyone who has been adopted can confirm they turn blue. If you if you don't turn blue, then I don't know what to tell you.
1: I really wanted to jump in and say that I love a sexy villain, but I feel like I've lost my chance and we went down a different path now. You I haven't. don't know. I
0: think Loki counts as a sexy villain. Yes. Yeah, but
1: you, but you got so heavy in the sarcasm and adoption. I'm like, I don't know if I can bring it back to the sex appeal. You,
2: you can always bring it back to the sex appeal, in my opinion.
1: I
0: think,
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm. I'm that person in this podcast. As long as your sexy villain is more than just sex appeal, because a lot of times with female villains, that's all they are. And their motivation is I've been wronged by a man. Give them more than that. Yeah, Or don't make their I've been wronged by a man be like, he cheated on me. Make it something really petty. Mm. Like he stole her crayon or he got paid 50 cents more than me. So I'm going to kill him.
2: (laughs) He's going down for this. (laughs) Yeah. I think subverting the tropes and the weird little things that happen so often is a good way of writing just see those things that you see all the time and say how about we flip this on its head and do something completely unexpected that no one ever does Mm -hmm. i think that's a good way to write a character just be different
0: yeah Mm -hmm. and and give them like flaws and limitations you know don't make them perfect
2: yeah because then you might wander into mary sue territory which is something that i've seen a lot of debate about recently
0: yeah there's a lot of that going on now or a lot of discussion for it like it's been happening in writing for a really long time I think I read that the first like official um adaptation of it and where the name stemmed from was from like a a Star Trek book where the character's name was Mary Sue and she was made to be this like perfect character she was good at everything she was super sexy she got all the men it was like the self-insert character and then After that happened, people started pointing it out in other areas of fan fiction and literature and stuff like that.
1: One thing that I find interesting is that so often female characters get the rap, like Mary Sue's even named after a female character. There's Gary Stews, But they don't get get, uh, the bad reviews quite as much, I feel Mm -hmm. like. it's more socially acceptable in the stories we read about for men to be strong and charming and attractive and intelligent and wealthy and maybe they're like a little sarcastic or maybe they have some daddy issues
2: maybe they're broody (laughs) maybe Uh. they're
1: broody that's their character flaw they're too broody or they're
2: but the women (laughs) but the
1: women love it yes of
2: course they do don't even but if you get a girl, started. if you get a girl that's strong any of those things, they're like, whoa, that is unbelievable. I cannot
1: even suspend my disbelief for this. That's
0: unrealistic. <laughs> I
1: think the problem comes not in having characters that are too capable, but that don't have any quirks or any flaws that just feel cookie cutter perfect. I am all here for reading about strong, intelligent, capable women but they need to have a little bit of something that leaves them human and flawed, flawed yeah. and a little bit of a quirk that makes them, you know, funny. Like, I too have a coffee addiction
0: or I too love cats. I think quirks are really great, especially like tells. Mm-hmm. Those nice little shortcuts in your writing so that you can identify a character really quickly so that the reader mm-hmm. can identify a character really quickly. Like maybe they speak a certain way or they have like a a habit. They tap their foot. They, I don't know, rub their neck all the time while they're talking. Or maybe they have some sort of like physical characteristic that's really identifiable. Those are really good for differentiating characters, especially side characters that you're not necessarily going to have to develop as much on screen. So it just helps people um, pick them out and know who's doing what without having to constantly say, and Joe, and then Joe, and then the cowboy joe <laughs> you know oh
2: gosh don't get me started on qualifiers <laughs> that drives me insane i just read a thing the other
1: day that had so many and i was dying but oh i read it anyway i do really love a good physical mannerism tick for characters i feel like you have books you have to do a little bit of the work as a reader and visualization and having those mannerisms written out does so much of the work for me It feels like they're sitting there talking or moving around or whatever the action is. Not that they're all just standing perfectly still in a circle in a living room discussing it.
0: (laughs) It's so uncomfortable when you're handling a lot of characters in one scene and you're like, okay, these two are definitely doing this thing right now. Oh, I should probably refer back to the other ones because they've just been standing there doing nothing for the last however long. They should probably like laugh or something. I don't know. And they sit down.
1: (laughs) I'm so bad at it that I avoid it and then I'll go back and read and I'm like, oh, for like five chapters, there was no more than two people in a scene together, three at the max. (laughs) That's not normal and human either, Kayla.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna have to work on that when I go back with my story because handling more than like three people interacting at a time, I'm like, I don't know how to make everyone do something without it making- without it seeming like I'm bouncing back and forth like, and he's doing this, and he's doing that, and over here, Steve is just picking his nails, I guess, I don't know.
2: (laughs) Picking his nails? Never heard of picking your nails, Kayla?
1: Scraping out the stuff that's underneath. (laughs) I thought you were going to say picking his nose and then you said nails and I was so confused. (laughs) But yeah, no,
2: I understand now. Yeah, something that you said in there that uh, your character should have a specific voice, I think is something that is a good thing to work on if you're developing a character Um, a lot of my favorite characters have a really strong memorable voice like just something very specific about the about the way they talk or do anything they just kind of have a
0: an air about themselves
2: yes an air about themselves Um, and I think being able to differentiate who's speaking in a story without the need for dialogue tags is a really good goal to set for yourself Mm -hmm. so you know that you're giving each person something different because everybody doesn't talk the same or do the same little ticks or you know just
0: not everyone slurs in the same ways or <laughs> uses the same like shortcuts in in their speaking. And if you're writing characters from different regions, then they're going to have different shorthands in the way they speak. Like over in the this side of the town. Where do we live? The Northwest. <laughs> We live in that accent. We live in the (laughs) Northwest. We don't speak like that. We don't most of us don't say y'all. I do. I shouldn't based on where I live, but I do. (laughs) But like wherever they're from, they're going to come with different speaking styles.
2: Yeah, that's something I've worked on with my story, because my character's from Virginia.
0: So I looked up
2: some videos of people from Virginia and listen to how they talk. Looked up some of the slang they use. I don't like I don't sprinkle it liberally in there, but occasionally I'll throw in a little thing or comment on have someone comment on her accent. I am wretched at
1: dialogue. That's why I've been quiet so long right now. <laughs> I really struggle to make my characters uh sound different without well, just in general. I just struggle with it in general. <laughs> it's something that I have to heavily edit every time I write dialogue. And then I have to have someone else look at it. And then I still have to edit it a little bit more. It is the least natural part of writing to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think through the first draft, because I'm developing my characters, I kind of have to let them say something a certain way. And then I go, Oh, okay, that's how they speak, I guess. Now I have to continue doing this. And when I go back, (laughs) I have to add that in. And I just sort of figure out who they are, where they're from, as I go. So that first draft, they're definitely a lot of pretty wishy-washy characters of, like, they've changed five different times since we first started. (laughs) they have got new quirks, new interests, and hobbies, and just random things that show up halfway through writing that I then have to, like, work back in at the beginning when I go through the edit, you know? I
2: think Having your characters have a hobby or just different things they're interested in outside of the plot of your story is really a good way to make your character relatable and real. In the first iteration of my story, I didn't have anything that my character liked to do. So this time around, I've given her a passion for plants and it was something she studied in school and she likes tea. And then that gave her a thing in common with Bruce Banner, who I say likes tea. So I think making hobbies and just not 100% focusing on the story and just making sure that your character is realistic and a real human person who does things outside of whatever their goal is, is important and captivating.
1: I also think that hobbies and interests can give you a whole new set of characters to work with and tie into your story. If your character plays soccer, in in their past time, then you have a whole team of people that you can like pull into the story. And it's always interesting when you have like that bystander interact with the plot where it's like, oh, I didn't mean for you to get into this part of my life with all of the chaos and violence and magic, and now I have to protect you. I'm so (laughs) sorry that I like sports. I'm so sorry I did this. Uh, It can also provide Uh, hobbies and interests can also tie in (laughs) to providing more romantic interests or friends, like you said with Bruce Banner and (laughs) T.
2: Yeah, giving them something they can bond with someone else with is a super important thing, I think, because building up different relationships is a really good way to
1: explore your character and make them as well-rounded as they can be. Relationships can be such a great shorthand for your reader to feel that way about a character because if your character has a best friend who loves them who thinks that they're great and kind and then your character has a chance to show that they're kind to their friend suddenly they're more likable Mm
0: -hmm. to the reader then you're showing and not telling everything if you sit here and have your character think man I'm such a nice person first of all saying it like that no one's gonna believe that (laughs) oh you're a condescending asshole okay got it hate this character putting that book away.
2: Yeah oh it is not fun to read those characters. If I can't bond with a character and feel something for them I absolutely cannot finish a book or a fan fiction if they've written someone weirdly and I'm like oh no
1: I don't even care what happens to you now. Oh I'll give up on a fan fiction so quickly if they wrote a character just wretched.
0: Yeah the character needs to be admirable and sympathetic or no one's going to enjoy them. Yeah, save the drama for
2: your villains, because people will still love them, and they don't have to be as lovable. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. I think one of the reasons that I identified so much with the main character of the Green Rider series, which is my favorite book series, is that she was a very flawed character. Like, she starts out at the very start of the book having run away from school because she got in a fight and got expelled. And she wanted to get home to her dad to tell him why she was expelled before the letter from the dean got to him and told him. And he was, like, super mad at her or whatever. And so, like, right away, you're shown that this character is very flawed. She's got some anger problems. She's obviously strong because she beat up her bully in, like, a duel or whatever. But you're just shown right away that this character isn't perfect and that she has something she's going to need to work on throughout the course of this poker series, or whatever.
1: Having a story start right in the middle of an action beat for a character can be such a great way to do that too. Starting with her on a mission to go tell her dad, and with her already expelled before it started, gives you such a more, such a more, such a more <laughs> gives you a more engaging uh, plot point for the reader to grab onto. And, oh, do I care about this character? Do I agree with them? I want to read and find out
0: more. Yeah, you should always start with your character like needing something or wanting something. to want some sort of a mission. It sets the tone of things are going to happen.
2: Yeah, this isn't just a little slice of life where it's boring and we're going to watch them go grocery shopping and pet their cat.
0: In detail, hear about them sitting on the couch eating chips.
1: The crunch of those chips was just so crunchy. Guys, maybe I shouldn't start my story with my character eating Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a recommendation. Please
2: don't do that.
0: Unless you also go into detail about her disgustingly licking off all of the powder from her fingers that's been, like, crusted on. Mm, makes me want to puke.
1: <laughs> I really want to write a short story starting from this point, just 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 bother
2: you now save it for like two years down the road when she forgets about this and then she won't expect Mm. it and we can just watch from behind the couch as she reads it and goes oh (laughs) i liked that start of that book i read that book that stephanie just discussed um it's a fantasy and it's a little less it's a little slower of a burn than i like to read so it was hard but as soon as i did start it it was very interesting and i was curious about what was going to happen to her so It was a good way to start and a very compelling character, because I'm still curious about what's going to happen. I just haven't found the motivation to read the rest of the books yet.
0: Just not curious enough.
2: (laughs) Not? Well, not to, like, push past my dislike of, like, war stories. I don't care for war stories. (laughs) Although, a good war story that I love, especially one of my favorite characters came from, is Mulan. (laughs) I know that's a movie and not a book, but... Oh, there's so good
0: movies too. I it's don't know. It's still a story. That. Yeah. <laughs> All right. They have to write Seth. the script.
2: Yeah. A lot of my favorite characters I think have come from Disney movies I watched as a kid, um like Belle and Mulan especially. Those two were just Oh, I watched those movies so many times. Here here.
1: I feel like Mul- Mulan's motivation and desire is so palpable. You can really feel it and engage with it. And her motivations and wants are so clear. I don't mean to talk about your
0: character when you're
1: (laughs) talking. It's good. i
0: all discuss.
1: I love how noble it is that she wants to uh, fight and save her father from this war. And you just start in such a strong point of her just yearning to do the right thing, even when it's the wrong thing. Yeah, I think the fact that she would buck all the traditions
2: and the whole movie, she was bucking tradition, even from when she's supposed to be getting ready to get match made. Is that the term match made match <laughs> I don't know. She match. was late and did it all wrong, but in the end it didn't matter that she wasn't their perfect standard of a woman because she saved China. And I think that's, Oh,
0: I love that. Uh, in, you know, my extensive amounts of free time, and by free time, I mean when I'm procrastinating from the things that I'm supposed to be doing. I've watched quite a few behind-the-scenes things of the making of those old Disney movies that I've watched or, like, the recordings or stuff like that. And I remember vaguely um, talking about how they wrote the story for Milan. And at some point, they got really lost and weren't really sure what to have her do. And they kind of, like... And they had to go back to what in the original story was her character's motivation, and it was to save her father. So with that in mind, they went back and rewrote the whole story, and then that's how we got the one that we have today. Well, I'm glad they did because it was a good story. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens with this new one that's going to be coming out some sometime. What is it? Twenty twenty? I don't. I don't follow the remakes. <laughs> They've disappointed me too much. The Beauty and the Beast one was terrible. It made me physically shake from anger. Like, Beauty and the Beast was my favorite Disney princess story since I was little. I guess it still is. It's not past tense. It's my favorite Disney princess story. And so I was personally offended at how much they butchered it. Like, awesome. tune all of the music? Come on, guys. Just get people who can sing. It
1: just wasn't good. <laughs> No. They They... added plots
0: that made the main plot worse. They added random plot things that they thought were going to fix, like plot holes from the original story that really didn't matter. Like, no one cared why her mom was dead. We just accepted, okay, she's dead. That's not important to the plot, so we don't need to know.
2: Yeah, I think I only watched it once, so I don't really remember what nonsense they did. But uh, speaking of Emma Watson... Hermione Granger is one of my favorite characters. Ah, <laughs> wow, smooth transition. Wasn't it? I was waiting and I was like, I'm going to cut them off. Hopefully they're not going too deep with
1: this. <laughs> <laughs> I am here for talking about Hermione Granger. But first, I need to know what your favorite Disney princess was. Because we just got stuff. Oh, hmm. Mm, is Mulan technically one?
0: Yeah, yeah, she's counted as a Disney princess.
1: Then her or Moana if we're going a uh, current yeah, Moana's I love Moana. Solid. Moana. such Moana's a good great. movie. My favorite princess is Ariel. No one asked me, but that's okay.
2: Ariel <laughs> I was just I, singing that song. And... I love
1: The Little Mermaid so much. I am so insatiably curious and extroverted and social and I want I want so much out of my life that I just relate
0: to her so intensely. Speaking <laughs> yeah. of character flaws, Ariel is the most entitled teenager oh my gosh but I I'm love a grown her grown up daddy I can do anything I want oh well you almost destroyed the entire ocean because you had a crush but well, I maybe love you should her listen to your parents children
1: <laughs> but I love her and this is why relatable characters can be fine even if their flaws are awful Hermione Granger
2: yes lovely <laughs> lovely character I'm such a sucker for that nerdy, studious girl who has such a hard time making friends because that was me. I relate to her so much. <laughs> <laughs> but something else that I think is interesting, I just watched Harry Potter today for the first time. <laughs> for the first time? Yeah, I know. I know. How many I'm, did you watch? Just one cuz I, I have I had the first one and then I have the other have like five through seven. I have to figure out how to get the others.
0: You Two need, through four. You need to the other one.
2: Oh, I'm going to. Hopefully I can find them soon. I might have them on the TV, but I'm going to watch those. I got into the Harry Potter fandom by reading fan fiction because it just happened to be something that was up my alley and I fell in love with the characters and I was like okay I should probably watch the source material because I found a lot in fan fiction they kind of shape characters in a specific way and it can be very different than the source material Mm -hmm. like in the Marvel fandom Darcy Lewis who is one of my favorite characters she doesn't really have much screen time or development in the movies but in the fandom she is a badass amazing character and everyone just has written her out to be this awesome chick who just does what she wants and she's sassy and sarcastic. So I think the fandom life can change some characters too and develop our loves and our passions for characters that may not be written so well in the material we're given. Yeah, for sure.
1: I also think sometimes... Fandom has a tendency to soften some characters because Hermione in the source material is pretty like logical but has a temper and is really studious. But in some fan fictions, not all, she's just dumb and in love with whoever the guy of choice is, and it's infuriating because she's such a strong character that doesn't always get treated like it. Yeah, it's unfortunate to lose
2: some of that well written distinctiveness that she has someone else they soften is Draco Malfoy. (laughs) When I told my husband that I was reading that fan fiction, he was like, why though? He's a terrible character. He sucks. But I was like, but not in fan fiction though. They've done a lot of softening of edges and giving people a reason for acting a certain way.
1: I really read a lot of Hermione and Draco fanfiction. Same. I have since a teenager, but I I do not stand behind my choices and I don't defend them because he's wretched in the books and movies. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
2: I already noticed that from the first movie. I was like, oh, yikes. This is going to be a journey. I'm not sure if I'm still going to love this character when I'm done, (laughs) but I think I will because I'm an easy pleaser. What male characters do you guys like? We've talked about a lot of female.
1: Well, referring to my notes... I also have the Marauders from Harry Potter written down to discuss. Yes. So great. Because I think they're an example of a really interesting thing that can happen with characterization in that most of the characterization is told in stories about them since the, their past is more relevant than where they are in the present of the story mm-hmm. and so it gives a history to the main character that like Harry really wants to know more about his dad and his dad's friends and discover more about them and learn their past and their history and it almost pict- um, it almost paints them as like stories within the story I think that can be a really dynamic, interesting dynamic to use and to have these like almost noble legends of heroes and villains from before, from before the present for your character to read about or listen to. It's so fascinating. Yeah, it adds
0: to the world as a whole and makes it feel more alive as well.
2: And then it lends itself to time travel fanfic.
0: (laughs) Oh
2: boy. I'm kind of obsessed oh. with fanfic, if anyone couldn't tell. I
0: read way too much of it. I get a little concerned sometimes with Twine twine with Twine Travel. <laughs> oh no. Too far. No
2: <laughs> I just read one where she went Hermione Granger went back to like the thirties and I was
0: like, Yeah <laughs> I came across one that I was not expecting to go the way it did, where character traveled back in time and then met their parent and then Aaron was like, "Ooh, you're attractive," and I'm like, "No." It was kind of like uh, Back to the Future, except the story wasn't finished. But I'm pretty sure the end goal was that they bang. And I was like, "No." I feel comfortable with this guy? <laughs> no. That's not what I was signing up for when I started reading this. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like it needed a tag. <laughs> I think it was on fanfiction.net and their tagging system is not oh, the best. terrible <laughs> the worst.
1: I like explicitly do not read time travel fanfics because I always get angry at at least one thing they choose to do. <laughs> but I also don't watch or read that much time travel like original stories either. I'm just not a big fan of the like ah we're going to fix it all by going back and that's definitely not going to cause more problems ever. Oh gosh, like Avengers Endgame. It's such a weird
2: thing that can be so messy and they don't always... I I don't know that anyone has ever dealt with it like perfectly. There's so many repercussions and it's such a weird thing to deal with. I feel like
0: it should be used sparingly. I feel so called out right now because my whole book is time travel yours went way way
2: way back though it's not like it was within their own history and she didn't do it on purpose to fix a thing no she's messing it up and has to fix it
0: yeah she's freaking out
1: (laughs) i don't mind things where it's like accidental like travel through a portal or what have you because i feel like that's usually a one-off dynamic and it gives them like, oh, I need to get back. How do I do that? I don't know, because I didn't cause that. Is very different than like, I am a time traveler. Mm-hmm. And I went back here on purpose. Mm-hmm. What can I do? I change my face every time people get sick of the actor that plays
0: me. <laughs> okay. I enjoy some seasons of Doctor Who. I haven't seen any so, Doctor Who. Um, moving on. <laughs> They're I'm not gonna not open to, the can. Like continue spoiling things for Green Rider, but <laughs> at some point there's some sort of dy- dynamic that has to do with time travel, um, and it's interesting to see how the character handles the situations that are thrown at her. And I think that's part of what makes her a really awesome character is because she's able to handle things in a believable way. Some of the male characters in that story, interestingly enough, aren't as well-developed as obviously the protagonist would be, but as a lot of the female characters, which is kind of a swap to what usually happens in stories. Um, but I still actually really like the main romantic interest. I just really like the way that he's written and like the personality that he was given. I don't know. It just makes them really enjoyable. You know Who's enjoyable? Captain America.
2: Yes. <laughs> as far
0: as the Avengers go,
2: Steve Rogers and Thor are two of my favorites just from their backgrounds and their character growth over time. I absolutely love them. I think that they have such strong values and goals in their life and it's a good take and it's very relatable
0: to me.
1: They both start from pretty relatable places to be and then emotionally grow and evolve uh, along with their powers changing with
0: them. And interestingly, kind of start at differing sides of their like emotional stabilities, I guess. Mm Because Thor starts out pretty haughty and like, I'm this warrior jock dude or whatever. (laughs) Like, he's gotten everything. And Steve Rogers starts out as that underdog that everyone relates to and yeah. they kind of end up meeting in the middle of character growth
2: and now they're both awesome and they can both wield the hammer and it's a wonderful ending to their little saga now <laughs> they both make men question their sexuality <laughs> have you seen their pecs fantastic or that butt Ooh, america's butt america's butt
1: <laughs> i'm just making faces which isn't helpful <laughs> Uh, Captain America is not for me but Thor has nice hair he does, it's glorious
0: well I think that's about all that our heat-stroked minds can handle for today oh yeah, we can't get into this territory (laughs) please, end it Well, we'll pass the question off to you guys. What are some of your favorite characters in media? What makes them stand out to you? Did we miss anything that you think is important for character building? Join us on our Facebook group, Writers Emerging, or follow us on Tumblr, Instagram, and Twitter. Links in the description. We look forward to seeing you next week.